0: Welcome, everybody. Welcome back. If you have walked this direction, you may once again be in vile, violation of jay-walking. jaywalking. That's right. You have arrived at Jubilee Street, a music J-walking. podcast. This is new territory for us. We are going to be going into the treacherous black country, New Road, talking about that new album, Ian Tell them what it is.
1: It is called Ants from Up There. Everyone will say it was cold. Oh.
0: Now, if you didn't already know, my name is Jake Curtis. That was Ian McCurtis. We are your co-hosts here on the nice joyride down Jubilee Street. And this week we're talking about it, just as Ian said, the new Black Country, new road record. Ian, how you doing today? How you, how you feeling about talking about thinking about this album?
1: I am so excited.
0: Uh, I don't know. Let's jump right into it. Uh what do you want to talk about first? There's a lot going on on this record.
1: I got some history with this band, this young band. Mm-hmm. So they debuted in 2019. They had this song called Sunglasses. I was obsessed with it, and I think tons of other people were too. The Quietest mm-hmm. called them the best band in the world. They only had one song out. This band was like as much hype as you can get. So look at this, Jake. When they announced their first record... Not only did I order it, as you can see here, Mhm. I also ordered a signed test pressing. Oh, wow. Never bought two copies of the same record before. I was so excited for, this, for their debut album, and it was kind of a letdown. It's good, but I think they had so much hype from that song, Sunglasses, that...
0: Yeah, it's hard to come back from that kind of hype.
1: The, the album just didn't live up to it. It's very... I mean, in the... Uh, In one of the songs, they call themselves the world's second best slint tribute act. It's very, a lot of slint sounding stuff going on, which isn't my favorite thing. So I'm happy to say with the second album, I think they made a masterpiece. I am in love with this record. I'm obsessed Mm -hmm. with it. I think this Mm -hmm. is the potential I thought they had a couple years ago when that first song came out and can't wait to dive into it.
0: It's uh, definitely, as someone who was not as, uh, I'll say, jazzed about this band as you were. It was definitely a huge <clears throat> difference from uh, for the first time. <clears throat> Ants from up there is uh, really... I remember thinking, this was before I read any of the lyrics. or I definitely agree with the sentiment that I think this... I, I said the same thing about Blonde by Frank Ocean, which I feel like is an album that I like a lot more than this one. But I feel like this album's going to be kind of like that Turnstile record last year. I feel like this album's going to be really important to a lot of people. And I think there's this cool new wave of like prog rock coming out of Britain. And uh, this band is definitely riding that along with like Black MIDI. And. For me personally, I need to listen to the new Black MIDI record or the newest Black MIDI record from twenty twenty one Cavalcade, I think is mm-hmm. what it's called yeah as far as like a band performing that band is as far as how young they are it's it's a pretty incredible thing that they do, but neither this band or Black MIDI have clicked for me in the way that I think it has for other people, and I don't know why. But this record definitely had a quality to me where I was listening to it, and I'm like, oh, yeah, this is going to be, like, one of those records, you know?
1: Yeah, <laughs> the first time I was – yeah, I had the same feeling. I was like, this is going to – sometimes you just know. I was like, this is going to mean a lot to a lot of people. I, You can tell bands are going to try to sound like this. And it's cool because there is that, you know, huge British post-punk thing with Black Midi and Idols and this band and, you know – a million others every month there's a new one wet leg uh but none of them are really i mean black midi is a little bit but none of them are really doing anything that different yeah this this album I was like oh this is something new like this isn't what all these post punk revival bands are doing this is fresh and different
0: yeah and what's interesting about it is they're doing it in a fresh and different way that doesn't really like it seems. I'm Trying to think of the way, a way to describe it because it's it is it's very unique.
1: On the Twigs album, you brought up her other work being like chamber pop. Yeah, and I think when I think of chamber pop or chamber chamber rock, whatever, when I think of the word chamber, I think uh, using like orchestral instruments and classical music motifs to make pop and rock music, and I think this is very much like in that vein.
0: Well, they, what have I, I, I saw somebody call it a Baroque masterpiece. It, it feels Bar- like,
1: this feels like, feels uh, like, like you know, a bunch of art school kids who study classical music making rock music, mm-hmm. like, you know, melodies repeat throughout the album. There's so many different instruments. You know, mm-hmm. this feels as close to classical music as it does to rock music.
0: Yeah, and it uh, it manages to have that nice balance of feeling arranged, but also feeling very like free and kind of like improvisational at times. I think it really shines. Like, I think some the guitar playing on this album is like some of the best guitar playing I've heard heard in a long time. It's really really good.
1: Yeah, and what I love is, I mean, I don't know this. I'm just going to go ahead and say that these are music school students because they have to be. They're like 21 years old and they made something like this. I think there's something you learn when you play like orchestral music and classical music that me and you would have learned, you know, being in band in school is that when you're playing a piece in an orchestra, there might be a, a, a song or a piece where you set out for 80% of it. Yeah. And that's normal. And I think that's a really important thing to learn that you don't learn from playing in a rock band but it, I think it makes for much better music if you're fine with like having a whole song where you don't do much of anything it makes everything else so much more impactful and there'll be 7-8 minutes at a time where there's no guitar but then when the guitar comes in it's doing something awesome and you notice it
0: yeah yeah definitely I, I feel like each but most each people instrument. who play
1: rock music don't want to have you know they feel like they're not doing enough if they sit out that much
0: well, how many bands do you think we saw in our early, our late teens, early 20s that had any empty space in their songs? You know? It was, yeah,
1: it's, it's hard for people. You know, people just want to like bang on their instruments and it's fun. I get it. But like, if you mm-hmm. can learn to like just be silent for a while, like, that's huge.
0: There's uh, a couple of songs that do that really well on this album. But in particular, the closing track, I think, harnesses that, that restraint really well and to great effect
1: basketball shoes so that's the closer which is a song that you know black country heads will have seen on youtube for years i think it is about as old as the band is it was definitely around before their first album came out and this is the recorded version yeah it's so cool it's got so many you know it's like four or five songs crumbled into one there's these instrumental sections in between the lyric sections that call back to other songs on the album. Mm -hmm. It's just really cool. It's an, an, an impressive epic piece of music.
0: I get this really interesting sensation when I listen to this band where it takes me back to being in like late high school, early college where I was listening to a lot of like what, What I feel like would probably be called like entry level prog rock, like Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, King Crimson, and yes. And yeah, even, and then Can later on when I was like 21, 22, I got a couple Can records. And like the music on these albums sounds so much like 70s prog rock to me. And then the lyrics and the music hit, or the, I'm sorry, the vocals hit. And I feel like I'm listening to like a, High concept Bright Eyes album, and as someone who's not going to admit to being like a heavy Los Campesinos listener, I remember either you or one of our friends growing up would play that in their car a lot, and I remember hearing it. But yeah, and and I kept thinking I knew that like the like this music sounded so familiar, and then there was one more artist on the tip of my tongue. That just
1: I couldn't. Arcade Fire. It,
0: yeah, and and I thought, and I read something last night that the band called themselves like a, the next Arcade Fire or something like that, or it, it, I think it was kind of in a self-aware, like somewhat self yeah, the, self-effacing, but
1: on, on on indie heads, people always say like, Arcade Country you know, fire road or, you know, people. Yeah.
0: I mean, and that's not a bad comparison. Can I, I can't think of a more popular mainstream band that had as many solid that has
1: had as many solid records as they've had. Like, no. And in in fact, when I was going to ask you if you want to do this record for an episode and you kind of like, I didn't have to really sell you on it. You were immediately. Yeah. But if you were hesitant about it, I was going to tell you, imagine arcade fire meets seventies prog rock. That was like how I was going to describe it to you. So we're definitely on the same page there.
0: Uh, So to kind of wrap up my whole spiel there, it's like, uh, man, it it just, this album feels so weird to me. And I'm not saying that in a bad way. It just feels like weird and familiar, but also like it does these things to me emotionally that I've never had music do to me, especially like, that Snow Globe song? I think that's mm-hmm. what it's called, right?
1: Yeah. God. Song.
0: And then the the place where they put the plate. Is that what the it's place called? Place
1: where he inserted the blade. I think that's my favorite one. <laughs>
0: that song's amazing. Like, I I I was listening to these tracks and I was like, Jesus fuck. Like I, I could never like this, the the shit they put together just blew my mind.
1: And to be like twenty
0: one years old. I mean, you know, it, age doesn't matter. You can make beautiful art, and I think, like, it's it's impressive that having, even having been around, having gone around the sun 30 times, I feel like I don't know if I can make an album like this now. Why does it mean, like, the technical
1: know? craft, like, the the time changes, oh, yeah. and the, you know, how technical the parts are, and the melody, like, mm-hmm. this sounds like people have been playing their instruments for 20, 30 years. It's so complex. It's really
0: cool. It's really cool, and it it makes me think a lot of... Um, I've mentioned and will continue to mention until I finish the book on this podcast. I've been reading uh, Revolution in the Head, which is a book about the Beatles, and the Beatles, for the most part, I think Ringo Starr being the outlier, were all upper-middle class, and I think they all went to art school, and that's how they started playing music together. And I think you can hear it in their early compositions because, like... There's like books that exist of all the chords that these guys are using on so on their songs and like the Beatles were they were really crafting some like really well-written pop songs in the day and and then when they translated that to rock and roll I think that's like just what cemented them as becoming such a legendary act and I thought a lot about that book while I was listening to this too because I'm I'm like I'm like this might be something that this is like the first thing I've heard that doesn't feel like the year that it came out in and probably like I don't know like at least five or ten years like this feels like fresh music for the like something we've all heard for the first time it and it it encapsulates everything that it's come from but it feels like it's like it's it's like outside of the algorithm if that
1: makes sense Jake, it's crazy how, to a T, you're describing like exactly how I felt and the same exact thing I was going to say. It's wild how every song I would think of like a different band it reminded me of. There's a part where they like break into power chords, and I'm like, oh, this sounds like Weezer. And then uh-huh. there'll be an Arcade Fire part, and then there'll be a Slint part, and then there'll be a Godspeed part. And... Usually, Godspeed,
0: that's another good one. It sounds a lot like Godspeed, You Black Emperor.
1: I mean, every song would have like three bands where I was like, oh, this sounds like this, this sounds like that. Mm-hmm. And usually, that's kind of a bad thing because you're, it sounds derivative, but this is like, at the same time, it sounds like nothing else. It's, I think you said like it feels really familiar and really different, and I couldn't say that any better.
0: Well, in a time where I feel like everybody's been, sort of insulated to the, and I, and I know it's like kind of almost cringy to say it now because it seems so of a time of our time, but we all get locked in these like cycles of what we see because of how technology is right now. And I think it's why a lot of people are probably trying to get off social media is it's like, you just keep getting presented with the same shit that you like, and then you find that Mm -hmm. you're not Getting exposed yeah. to the shit that you that maybe would change your perspective a little bit and open you up to other stuff, and to me, this feels like a like that's why I said outside of the algorithm. Like I I feel like this music came from a different place, and I I think that's why I, like a lot of the album art's really cool for this album. And
1: so remind you of Great Escape the the with the toys yeah, hanging up on the on the it, pegboard. It, that, it it
0: feels like. I mean, the I think the image is a is like a golden or brass airplane in a plastic bag, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's like the one they went with for the actual uh, release. And I mean, the green, the double green hook, and then the closed bag, and the way that it's like air like airtight, and it's like it's like it's genuinely like they're saying like this is something that we like time stamped, sealed, and are presenting to you. You know, that's why it's neat that there's a song or songs from this record that they recorded years ago. Um, yeah, yeah. And I never, I didn't watch, there's a video for Concord, I think, that I haven't seen yet, um, but oh, I plan should. to watch
1: that. Yeah, you should watch it. It's uh, a really great music video. So I don't know if it's the singer, but someone's mouthing the lyrics in there, have prosthetics on to look like an alien. Yeah. And there's like a war going on. I guess you're supposed to think it's like the aliens versus humans in the mm-hmm alien is like a prisoner of war that the humans have captured and he's just kind of like you know being tied up and trying to escape and he's mouthing mm-hmm. along the song it's a really cool music video it looks like that did you ever see that movie Ninth was it 1917
0: I need to watch it I've, I, I, I need I I want to watch like, it war it's the one with one like, single shot
1: it looked like that I don't know if it's one single shot or not I can't remember but the, the like angles and stuff looked like that movie except with an alien That's Mm -hmm. a really cool, really ambitious uh, music video. So let's talk about Concord. Uh, I think that's one of the best songs. Mm -hmm. I think this is where the title of the album comes from, even though it's not explicitly said. So a Concord is a type of plane. And the idea of this song is that the person he loves is like a plane passing by and he's climbing this hill just to get a glimpse of them, even though to that person, he's just a tiny little ant. You know, that's where you get the ants from up there. hmm And I think that's a, one, a universal sentiment of like, really being in love with someone, but you think that person doesn't even notice you. And two, saying that in a pretty unique way I've never done before. I've never seen done before.
0: I didn't make the connection that it was, like... It says here, like you said, that it's a passenger plane. Um,
1: Yeah, so it also... There's, like, a double meaning. It was a plane that I guess the research and development or something ended up costing, like, millions and millions of dollars to make this plane. So there's a, like, logical fallacy now called the Concord fallacy, which is where you... Double down on something and keep investing in something even though it's not worth it. So, like, you know, me and you both had like, cars that break down a lot. It's like if you keep paying to get that car fixed, even though you know you should just get a new car. But you're like, I've already put $4,000 in this car. I can't get rid of it. Yeah. That's like like the Concord fallacy. Like, you should just start over, but you don't.
0: Mm Mm-hmm
1: which i think you know it, it's t- cuz
0: it seems harder to start over than it is yeah which ties
1: is. into this like relationship like he's in love with someone and he's not happy but you're like it'd be harder to start over with someone new i might as well just keep doing what i'm doing
0: well and he has that line in the beginning where he says concord this organ the new one i'm forming it's grown so persistent on you by the morning i fell to my feet and the doctor said we are unfortunately out of options to treat what a funny way to speak so it like it's like if you're thinking of it literally like this organ, the new one I'm forming, it's like the, you're, you're like putting this time into like creating a whole new like body and entity and body part towards something that you may not even be able to use because it was doomed to begin with, you know?
1: Yeah. And over and over the, the way he words things is so weird when you read it out loud, it's always so strange the way he phrases things.
0: Yeah that's another thing is like, I don't really understand how you come up with vocals like this. Like I've, I'm, I'm floored by the lyrics too. I I actually think I'm going to buy, they have like a special edition CD with like a lyric book. I think I'm going to buy that from their band camp because this is, I haven't really wanted to invest in physical music recently until recently, and I think I want to start with
1: this. The singer of Black Country Nero just quit the band. Mm-hmm. I saw that. four or five days ago. So that brings in a whole other element.
0: That added a completely new immediacy to it in that, like, it added this whole layer to how impactful this music is because it will no longer exist in this form ever
1: again. Yeah, unless.
0: Like- He comes back.
1: It like instantly makes this album become like legendary because, you know, if this band sticks around for 10, 20 years, like what a crazy story to be like, yeah, Mm -hmm. the day before their second album came out, the singer quit. Like, that's crazy. And they still have not played any shows in North America. Mm -hmm. You're never going to get to hear any songs on the first two albums in America. Like, you know, I would love to see this band live. Still haven't got the chance. They're going to continue on with, I think, them all singing and the bass player singing the majority. They're going to write all new material. And I still think it's going to be great. Like, I think Mm -hmm. the strength of this band is the songwriting. And as long as losing one member doesn't uh, dampen whatever magic they have as a collective, I'm fully confident it'll be just as good. But what a crazy turn of events. And they all seem so excited about this album and interviews. They're so proud of it. And now they're not going to play any of the songs live ever.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's what a statement that is to make. Um, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like if you're up for it, I feel like this is an appropriate thing to say, but I think we should return to this in a month or in maybe three months and talk about it again, because I feel like I'm not going to be able to break down everything the way that I'd like to, because even doing three listens, I could only listen to so many of the lyrics. Like I feel like that, like I'm, I'm scanning through the lyrics for Concord now. And there's that line about you wield a lightsaber and you're led by the dark to our place on the table. And, you know, they it' said that like that could be like like an air traffic controller like leading you you oh, know like onto this str- uh, yeah the light, light stick thing, but it keeps making me i before we recorded i, I uh, this episode i I went to to take a bathroom break, and I brought my phone in there with me, and I was scrolling around trying to get a couple more th- ideas together for this episode, and I saw that um. I knew this before, but I was reading more about the second song on the album, which is Chaos Space Marine. And then as we talked about Concord, it made me think a little bit more about how this album is viewed. And Chaos Space Marines are a character or race or something from Warhammer 40K, which is like a tabletop money sink of a a board game.
1: I saw that. So there's some nerds like us, even though I'm not a Warhammer nerd.
0: And i don't i don't I, I like Magic the Gathering, and I you know we both like comics and we're into that nerdy shit, but to the thing about Warhammer and those like hero clicks kind of games is that they're all played from a bird's eye view as the player, so to me, oh, it makes me wonder if that there's adds to like,
1: I like ants from up here even more
0: Well, I think that there is like dice rolling and random there is like a randomosity added really into. Cool. The gameplay there, and it makes me wonder: like, is this airplane in a bag? Like, is this a little figure that you put on a Mm. mount and then you move it around as like a carrier? You know, and so it it adds this whole other layer of like the amount of control that they're doing, not just with their instruments, but like with how. Um, what's the singer's name? Is it like Simon or something? Isaac. Isaac, yeah. How Isaac kind of crafts these different narratives and. I felt like, I don't know, I'll, I'm i a sucker for like placing weird words together. And to me, Chaos Space Marine is just like, that's just like such a it sounds nice. a word. It's just a word orgy for me. Like it makes me think of like all the shit that I like at the same time.
1: And I didn't even know, I didn't know it was a Warhammer reference, but that makes me like it even more that it's like such a nerdy reference. Yeah. I also.
0: Well, Warhammer's I, dope. Honestly, if you look at the artwork for it, it's pretty cool. I don't no, know anything'm not, anything I'm
1: not about saying it. I'm not saying it's lame. it's just always cool when I find out a band I like is like also oh yeah,
0: I didn't think you like were saying it was lame I, but i but it's like it is also a nerdy thing you know it's 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 a it's something you have to go to a local game store and like play with some other guy or
1: i love um and I think you do too. I love juxtaposing high art with low art, like high and low brown. that's the sentence. yeah that's yeah, yeah exactly why Brendan Kelly's my favorite lyricist i love like interspersing huge $20 words with, like, talking about coming or something, you know? So I love, like, how poetic this album is. But, like, in this song, he says so long jumps. Like, I love interspersing silly things with really, you know, pretentious, artsy things.
0: I mean, it's it's why, like, a character like Bleeding Gums Murphy from The Simpsons will always be funny to me because, like, the name itself is funny but it's also kind of like yeah. connecting to like real life like jazz musicians and it, it, it's really cool stuff.
1: And that's like I mean I could talk about the Simpsons for hours but that's what's so genius is they can do a fart joke and then in five seconds a joke about like uh, you were just talking about John Paul Sartre like existentialism. Like they can just do them do them both in the same sentence.
0: Mm-hmm. Well and to continue on about that song in particular is there's uh, like the second part of the verse says, love thy neighbor, will it really last any time? What's that you said to me? Oh, I'm a chaos space marine. So what, I love you, darling, will you take my metal hand? It's cold. In time you will find these things take up space inside your mind where you could be keeping honest thoughts of the sea alone. So I don't know. I just,
1: a lot of these That's lines so work for me. And then he says, so long chumps. Like I just love I, the juxtaposition.
0: Another big thing that I think we can connect to the whole like through line of the album is there's a lot of stuff that shows up again, like you know, mm-hmm. in the outro of this song he references other Billie lines Eilish. that he'll mention, Billy Eilish style, where it's like he's connecting all of these themes that have that will be brought up later in the record.
1: I think there's two or three songs that mention clamps come up a couple times, clamps, Billy Eilish a couple times. Yeah, you got you got some repeating. Imagery all over the place, which is mm. why I think—I mean, who knows? Like, like you said, I think this is an album that, like, in ten years, people are still going to be referencing. Mm-hmm. Right now, I would guess this is probably going to be seen like Titus Andronicus, The Monitor, sure. or like Michael probably bigger romance, than that. Welcome honestly, The Black Parade. Like, I think it's going to be mm-hmm. seen as like a rock opera because it's so yeah. it's so connected. It's so orchestral, you know, but who knows? Maybe it won't be seen that way. Who, I, I have no idea. Before I forget, because we already talked about Basketball Shoes a little bit, the end of the song being talking like talking about having a wet dream about Charlie XCX is yeah. so funny. The yeah, it's got that Kanye was, West energy to it. Now it's Charlie, but the original song, he says Charlie XCX. And, you know, to have like an album this... Artistic and this uh, well thought out, and then the last lyrics of the album are about having a wet dream about a pop stars. I mean that's I love stuff like that. Let's talk about the place where he inserted the blade, which sounds like a cursive song title. Cursive's another band that I hear all over this album.
0: Oh, that's a good one. Can I t can I tell you another thing yeah. that this music reminded me of? There's uh this music reminded me of what the wave bands from the early 2010s should have been able to have accomplished.
1: Mm. I was thinking the same thing. I was like, there's a world where like Law Dispute doesn't sound this far off from this.
0: That's what I was saying. Because Law Dispute got into that territory where they carried these really bluesy riffs mm-hmm. over the course of like six or seven minutes and... Because the lead singer, Jordan, was able to, like, weave together his lyrics and storytelling so well, the songs worked on that longer scale for a band that, you know, typically would have been able to write maybe four-minute songs at best as, like, a Scrams, Screamo band, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, but, yeah, none of those bands, this stuff just, like, move. like, I think this album is close to an hour long, I'm not sure exactly, but... 58 Minutes. It's long, and it doesn't, but it doesn't feel that long to me, even though they're like 10-minute songs. They, these songs are constantly moving, and I don't know if I told you, Jake, I got an exercise bike a couple weeks ago, and I was listening to this album today while I was biking, Yo. and I just felt like invincible. There's so many huge moments where you just feel like mm-hmm. nothing can stop you. Mm-hmm. There's so many these like crescendo moments.
0: I, uh, I got this sense after listening to this, this song, but in the record in particular, where that sort of like powerful quality comes over you and you feel like, I felt like I wanted to create again. Like I, I really wanted to like make my own kind of mark on the world. You know what I mean?
1: And I was blown away by how young they are. I was like, oh, so these are all people like 30 mm-hmm. writing about like a teenage romance through the lens of experience. But no, they're, like, college-age kids. Can't believe it.
0: Yeah, and also with how, like, deeply indebted they are to, like, older music, clearly. Like, even on this song, apparently, uh, Isaac said that this is a reference to... It pays homage to late-period Bob Dylan music. In particular, the I've Made Up My Mind to Give Myself to You track from 2020.
1: But yeah, there's also, uh, speaking like on that point, there's also a huge influence of klezmer music, which is like oh, traditional yeah. Jewish music. Big klezmer this, like, pro over here. <laughs> a lot of this violin and horns together is very reminiscent of like Jewish music and a lot of these melodies. Like another place you'll hear this... I know you're not a big Bad Religion fan, but... I should the, be. I need
0: to change that. The thing
1: that... that uh, I think has made them last so long as their vocal melodies, which a lot of them they stole from old Jewish like folk songs. Like, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Like, if you hum mm-hmm. it, it sounds very... You can see it, but you don't notice it because it's, like, hardcore punk. and it's so true. I saw that some of these members of Black Country New Road play, like, traditional mu- Jewish music and carry some of that influence.
0: Makes sense. The band. Makes a whole lot of sense. Big Klezmer guy. Are so the some of the members must have grown up Jewish then, right? Or did they just maybe perform the music in school?
1: I would, I would assume if you're playing traditional music, tra- traditional Jewish music as a kid, you're Jewish. But I don't know that. You know, I don't it's just know like fact.
0: I'd like to know the person who just went to the record store and the guy was listening to Klezmer music and he was like, "Oh yeah, you got to hmm. check out such and such." Well, that was like, like that
1: store in Louisville. We had Modern Cult where they'd have like random sections of music. You're right. Modern Zynico Cult would definitely and,
0: have klezmer
1: music. Yeah, just like random stuff like that.
0: Did Everything you, about Modern Cult was weird, but it, it was fun.
1: Did you catch the... So the song I referenced that I first fell in love with them Sunglasses, mm-hmm. has one of the best catchy refrains. I'm more than adequate. Leave Kanye out of this. Did you notice the Kanye reference on this record?
0: I didn't, I didn't notice anything outward. What, what, what was it? Which song?
1: Uh, so yeah they, they're all I don't know about all of them but they talk about Kanye a lot they Isaac says bound to in one of the songs in uh, the place <laughs> where he inserted the blade good morning it's a Concord bound to in my evening
0: oh Concord bound to in my evening the good hunter's guide to a bad night I just I'm just a sucker for concept records and anything where you something I did we did a lot in my old band Android 18 is we had an EP that I mean, it was the only thing we officially released called Six, and almost all of the songs were written to sort of weave in and out of each other, particularly, like, the first three songs, and they all return to similar Hmm. chords and sounds, and I like that he, that Concord and, you know stuff like that or, like, through lines. But that's cool. I, I, I didn't catch that Kanye reference, but it makes total sense for them.
1: I love that too, Jake, and I wish, you know, we expect, like, directors to do that, like, to have through lines in all their movies or authors, like, you know, Stephen King will have minor characters show up in multiple books. Mm-hmm. And I think that should be more common for like musicians. I love it when a band will reference an old song of theirs or something like that.
0: There's, like, this grandiosity to these songs, too, where it's, like, it it's just, like, it, it, we keep coming back to how young they are, but it's, like, uh, the place where he inserted the blade just seems like it shouldn't be someone of that age performing that. It feels like a song that's, like, ripped out of a, like, a Broadway musical, almost, you know?
1: It, it is very, like, Praise the Lord, burn my house, I get lost. It's very... yeah huge sounding i kept thinking of like broadway too and this has some of that but a lot of these kind of concept albums that we talk about feeling like musicals are cheesy and this never feels cheesy Mm -hmm. which is just a testament to the songwriting i guess because it's hard to make things with horns and violins and a lot of times cheesiness just comes along with all that and I don't think it ever gets there.
0: Again, this is, pro- this is probably why I think it'd be fun to come back to this album in a month or two. But what do you think this song, Place, Where He Inserted the Blade, is about? And then what do you think this album is about? So answer that first one, and then we'll go to the second one.
1: I don't know. I kind of thought it was... I think a lot of the things I take from the song are just like, I can't really explain them. I thought, because he says, good morning, show me the place where you inserted the blade. I thought it was like, I just woke up, and I'm having this really deep-ass serious conversation with you. And it, like, turns the other person off. Like, hey, we just woke up. Tell me about this really traumatic event you had. Because sometimes I Mm -hmm. do that, where, like, someone's just trying to, like, have a chill moment. And I'm, like, trying to talk about really deep stuff, and it's not the right place or the right time. That's what I thought this song was about, but I don't really know if I can justify that much with the lyrics, which is what I took.
0: Um, I think I'm still kind of figuring it out as well, but I like that interpretation. There's a really good line that starts this track where it's like, you're scared of a world where you're needed, so you never made nice with the locals, which just like, when I heard that, I was like, holy shit. Like, I live in an apartment complex, and I... I break eye contact with people all the time. And I wonder to myself, I'm like, is this why I am feeling so lonely? Because I like, don't want to connect with anybody, but I also don't want to be relied on.
1: And I hate like, uh, I mean, this is one of the worst aspects of myself. I don't like it, but not for like you or for my friends, but for like casual acquaintances. I hate doing favors for them or I hate accepting a favor because then yeah. I feel like uh, I'll owe them a favor. You know, so that like scared of a world where you're needed, that Mm -hmm. resonated with me so hard because I, I feel like I go out of my way to not have like owe people things.
0: Yeah, it's like that funny thing from The Office where anytime Dwight tries to do Andy a favor, Andy does a favor right back (laughs) so that he doesn't owe anything to Dwight.
1: Totally. Like, I feel that so hard. Yeah, it's a really Uh, great line.
0: What do you make of the Billy Eilish style? That shows up a lot. Do you think it's just like him kind of me like meditating on his type or um
1: so that shows up the most in the Goodwill Hunting song and that chorus is just kind of gibberish phrases. And mm-hmm. that was one of the things that reminded me of Weezer. You know how at the beginning of the Sweater song, it's just mm-hmm. people talking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I felt like that was what they were going for with those lines. It's just, like, random snippets of overheard conversation. So, like, you know, if you go to a party in 2020, that's probably something you overhear is, oh, she had Billie Eilish style.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's also just one of those, like, earworm type of th- shits. like, oh, here it is. It's in place where he inserted the blade. We, we're stronger and we tell all our school friends and they sign our cast in the playground. Darling, the rest of the body, it's yours then. I don't know if that's it though. Fuck, I can't find it.
1: That's a great line. I, that's very Lottis pugh There's maybe this line darling. that
0: I can't, I can't, maybe I misheard it because he does have somewhat of an accent, but there's a line where it's like, did you hang on to the friends that you used to have? And I I I, th- I thought it was on like snow globes, but I, I maybe I'm overlooking it. I don't know. I better I better let it go because it's not gonna make for good pod audio. Sorry, listeners.
1: <laughs> There's a lot of a lot of words.
0: Um, it'll come to me eventually. I thought it was on Goodwill Hunting. Anyway, I'm not. I'm gonna shut up about it. Uh, what else should we? I shared that Hal Dern song, which I saw. Is a is named from the Haldern Pop Music Festival in Germany, and it's actually where they played a show during the pandemic. And hmm. um, I read online that the live performance for this band was heavily influenced by how Kanye West alters a lot of his music during live shows, and the song "White Ferrari" by Frank Ocean.
1: Oh, that's cool! I saw that. What song is it? Oh, oh, um, Snow Globes. You know how there's that like, freak out drum thing that just starts happening out of nowhere and it's like not connected to the song? Yeah. The like, drum solo? They said they took that idea from White Ferrari from Frank Ocean, how it sounds like two songs on top of each other. Oh, so that's just, right. They told the drummer to just play a drum solo, not connected to anything else, and then they would play over it.
0: Huh. <laughs> what a cool idea! Just like but one I of loved, those things. I
1: taking an idea from Frank Ocean like that and translating it to music like this.
0: Yeah, it's crazy to think how like there's probably so many bands that are influenced by
1: Kanye West and Frank Ocean that sound nothing like that. Well, it's crazy because like, so we're thirty. Like Frank Ocean got popular when we were adults. But to them, they were in middle school listening to Frank Ocean, you know? Right. Oh, so my it's cool. God. There's like a whole generation. They were in middle school listening to My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. So mm-hmm. that's like. Could you imagine being 13 and hearing Blonde? It'd be crazy, but that's like, you know. You it's had like System how it feels
0: o- to be in the show Euphoria.
1: You had System of a Down in middle school. They had, like, yeah, Blonde. I know. Music
0: got so much more music when we were growing up was so tough. Like, even like yeah, AFI a and Blink-182, like, music's gotten a lot more open to, like, revealing those, like, soft inner layers. You know what I mean? I think that's why this is so impactful because it feels so intimate. It it, it reminds me a lot of how that Perennial album felt mm-hmm. um, to oh, see yeah. the next part of the dream, like... How it 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 just feels like you're in the room with them performing this as opposed to like some bands where it's like you probably envision seeing them at a concert hall or in a stadium or you know in a in like a basement show or a garage. You know, I I feel like there's just something about this, and it 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 doesn't have that like studio quality, but it it also does have this like polishedness to it without being like too polished. Yeah,
1: anyway. I know what you mean. It, it seems like every. Every part of every song is, like, supposed to be there and thought out, but it also feels like it's taking its time. There's a lot of, like, doing two things at once on this album.
0: Yeah. um, What do you think is your favorite song? I I feel like I kind of want to just listen to it again and, like, almost re-record the episode, but we got a lot (laughs) of good stuff here. Um, I think my favorite song is probably... um, Snow Globes, or um, the place where he inserted the blade, I think. But I think it'll change as I listen to it more. I like Chaos Space Marine a lot.
1: Yeah, that like... Yeah, That riff is really cool and doesn't really sound like anything else I can think of.
0: Why do you think they chose to do the intro that they did?
1: I don't know. The, the uh, first album also has an instrumental intro, so maybe that's just going to be a thing they do. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I like intros. What's weird to me is uh, or maybe it's just like uh, something that got messed up with uploading to Spotify but it sounds like it should lead straight into Chaos Space Marine seemingly. Right. But there's mm-hmm. like two seconds of silence. Just kind of weird.
0: I think you can arrange that upon uploading it to like um, CD Baby or what's the one we use? Disco Kid? Distro Kid? Distro Kid. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite song?
1: I think Right now, the place where you inserted the blade, but I think it will, like you said, change. I really like Goodwill Hunting. I love the end of Basketball Shoes. There's just so many good songs.
0: Well, when that guitar lick comes in in Basketball Shoes, it gets really good, and then it all the momentum stops for a second, and it's just like a drum, like a kind of a drum yeah. fill for a little while. Um,
1: I think I might have found that lyric you were looking for in Goodwill Hunting. Is it the part where? We're on a burning starship. The escape pod's filled with your friends. Your childhood film photos. (sighs) Something like that.
0: I think so, but I swear to God I heard it. I'm just going to listen to the record again, and I'll let you know where I hear it. I think maybe I came up... I do this sometimes when I first listen to music where I'll be thinking about something in my personal life, and, you know, not to elongate the podcast too much, but when I visited... Louisville last year for um, your birthday and we recorded that episode. I had this feeling when I was there that didn't come from anyone in particular. It came from just being there where I felt like I didn't belong there anymore. And whatever I thought that this line was saying, the sentiment that I picked up was like, At what point do we only have these memories of these people that we're comfortable around? And if we've chosen, in this case, if I've chosen to like move away from them, how, how do you still remain a part of their lives without becoming like a nuisance or a burden? Like how does that, how do you keep that memory from weighing you and them down? Because, undoubtedly i've changed in comparison to everybody i knew in louisville and you know still contact have contact with and something about goodwill hunting and place where he inserted the blade and snow globe snow globes and basketball shoes all reminded me of that of how i felt when i left louisville and i was like i really miss all these people and i'm so comfortable around them but i felt the whole time like i, I wasn't home anymore it was a very it was a very difficult feeling to cope with, and I feel like part of that is kind of what spurred a little bit of a mental, like, depressive break that I had last year and, and kind of just now getting out of as of maybe a couple weeks ago.
1: It's hard. Sorry to, to get sorry
0: to get so deep, but that's what this album made me think about.
1: It's hard to feel like you've moved past things in your life and then revisit the things you don't feel as tied to anymore and it, it does take your brain to a weird place and i that's
0: think, go ahead sorry
1: i think whether or not that was explicitly said in the lyrics or maybe you imagined them i do that's the same feeling i get from this whole album i feel like the thing that is being expressed is like how do i turn into the person i want to be yes and yes. how do i does that mean i have to distance myself from the people i love does that mean I have to remove them from my life? How can I still exist with them and change into a new person? You know, yeah. I, I think that's, that idea is all over this record.
0: And I think that's why the Warhammer 40K reference really hit me and, like, the album cover with the Golden Airplane, assumed assumed to be the Concorde jet, he's, repl- he's app- like, applying and, you know bringing up as a recurring motif throughout the album. I think it's why those images were so striking to me is it's like, like I really have this urge more so ever than before in my life to like grab onto nostalgia and I'll like spend my money on these like Mm. things on the wall that remind me of a feeling like I did it this weekend. Like I spent like 40 bucks on, they have like a new line of Digimon trading cards and immediately I I was like, oh my God, like, I want to, I want to see those again. I want to see what they're like now. Like, and that's kind of what this album evoked for me as it evoked this, like, it felt very like familiar. And it also felt kind of like, once you take the shrink wrap off, it's like, you're kind of presented with the same ugliness you were worried that you were going to have to face. And, um, I, I, I think like, man it's just like capitalism is such an evil thing and nostalgia can be so heartbreaking sometimes
1: it's interesting you said capitalism there it's like the original version of sunglasses has some political lines Mm -hmm. that they made not political on the album version and they have other songs where the first versions were a little bit more political and they've tried to i don't know what the reasoning is maybe it's to make their music timeless but they've tried to like not really have political things in their songs. Yeah. But I do think that nostalgia message is kind of there that like, maybe it's not good for our happiness to live in nostalgia so much.
0: Something like that. Or it's just like, like the Concord fallacy is like you were saying earlier, like if like, how much time am I really willing to sink into this thing that isn't going to amount to anything at all? It's like, it's like, yeah, what, it's like a, a TV you tell show yourself,
1: that's not good anymore, but you're on season mm-hmm. 13, and you're like, well, I have to finish it.
0: Well, it's like, you, like you're like you watching the West Wing, but I think we both know that the West Wing has like a couple of seasons where it dips pretty bad, so it's like do you sort of wade through the less good television, or do you do like something that I typically would do, which is like I'll watch up until the, the like last great season, and then I'll either skip the bad ones and go to the next good one, but I think it's kind of one of those things it's like how much time like it's it's also like with him being in this band, and now they've arguably put out one of the best records of the new decade and which is hard to believe that we're already two years into the decade, but like to be able to leave that behind to whatever he's going to do next is a pretty remarkable thing to do
1: I also want to give him props for leaving though if he felt he should leave like there's so many. Yo. Music is full of people who died in their 20s mm-hmm. because they, the lifestyle wasn't good for them. So if he, thought, if he thought this band was about to tour six months a year and it was going to lead to some bad stuff, whether with drugs mm-hmm. or depression, good on him for getting out because we've lost way too many musicians too young.
0: But yeah, no. Some crazy foresight to have if he think. I mean, it, it'll be insane to see how well this record charts um, as far as like being an indie record, and I definitely think we've got one of our Jubies. I'm sure we'll both talk about this at the end of the year.
1: Yeah, for me, this is... It's hard to say. This album's only been out for, like, what, four days? And this sounds like bullshit. I'm telling you. It sounds like bullshit, like podcast hyperbole, that I'm trying to say this to make a good episode... But I, I feel like already this album means a lot to me. <laughs> I don't even know. For a couple
0: days. I don't even know all the nooks and crannies of this record. And I, I like I said earlier, I was listening to it. I finished the last song while I was, uh, before I went to bed last night. And I went to bed and like the last thought that I had was I was like, wow, that record has something special to it. I don't know what it is, but I think it's going to create a lot of like, you know, it's going to, cause a lot of ripples i think it's gonna change a lot of shit
1: well i'm really glad even if you didn't like it as much as me i'm glad you liked it i was worried like you just wouldn't get it or something and it'd be a a weird episode so i'm glad it worked out
0: uh i think to sort of close out all my opinions on it it is so tight like we're talking like tightrope walking close to being something I wouldn't like. It's really crazy that I like it as much as I do because to me, I've like, I have admired I'm Wide Awake, It's Morning and Bright Eyes stuff, but that like warbly, like neutral milk hotel vocals, that shit can either click for me or it can turn me off fast. And I was really close last night to being like, I don't know if I'm going to really like this. Like, and then I listened to it again today and I was like, I kind of like this. And then I just kept hearing, keep, you know, the third listen, I was like hearing everything that I'd kind of passively heard as I was taking everything in the first two listens. And I was like, oh no, this is good. This is good. And it, and it, it is not the first time we've done an album on this show once, since we kind of reformatted how we do things on Jubilee Street where I allowed myself to let something click in the way that I, I believe it should have. And I think this album is going to, like, if people give it that time and you give it that hour of your life that it deserves, I think it's going to open you up to a lot of cool shit.
1: That's interesting about the Warbly Voice thing. I hadn't thought of that, but I think the difference there would be, like, if you're listening to Bright Eyes, you're listening for Conor Oberst. Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. this is no discredit to the vocals. I almost feel like his vocals are the weakest part of this band, not the lyrics. But, like, that's mm-hmm. why I think they're going to be fine with a new vocalist. because
0: Even better, potentially. Even better, potentially.
1: I think the magic of this band is the music. Yep. Definitely. So I think that's probably why I clicked for you. Because I was thinking the same thing. You know, as much as I'm a guy who, like, is vocals first with music, I think the magic of this album is the instrumentals.
0: Absolutely. I, I, think, I think the lyrics definitely add a lot. But I think, like, I don't know... If this would be as impactful without these lyrics. But I think that there's a good chance that the band probably had more of a say in what was being written. And I think, who knows, like, with how big I think this band's gonna get from this, there's a chance that they might enlist. Like, it makes you wonder, like, if you wanted to do, like, like kind of how with like comic books like who's going to next be the next like Captain America who will be the next Batman or who's going to write the next Batman who's going to write the next Spider-Man like it makes me wonder oh. like wow what if they what if they got somebody like Adrian Linker to be their singer or something or what but if do they like a, got do a
1: gorillas d- thing and have guest vocalist exactly so i think there's well, a lot of
0: potential for what they're going to do
1: what i've heard is the the woman who's going to be singing the bass player people are saying her voice sounds like Adrian Linker
0: I mean, we'll see. Like I said, I, I just I don't foresee a band like this dipping in quality at all, even so, with losing a big member.
1: And it'll be cool for like I can't think of a band that went from I can think of a few bands that changed their singer. Mm-hmm. Uh, your favorite, Dance Gavin Dance, but I can't think <laughs> of <laughs> bands that changed their singer, changed genders from like a, a man to a woman or a woman to a man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It'll so be, cool. be kind of cool to see what that sounds like.
0: I, I think. Um, I think it's going to be really interesting to see what they do. Um, Ian, I'll give you the last word here, and then I say we take it home so these listeners don't stop listening to us and they can go listen to the record.
1: Well, yeah, I would just say listen to this record. I think Ants from Up There, Black Country New Road, I I think for me it's only February, so this isn't saying much, but this is album of the year, and I imagine it will be close to that for me. The two things I'm looking forward to the most are this and Big Thief. They're coming out right back to back. And Double feature. If anything, this year is better than this. It'll be a great year. I think if this came out last year, it would have been my number one. Maybe number two. Yo. It's, I think, a really special album.
0: I want to say I I can't speak for all the listeners or anything. I, I'm glad that they're here, but I get a lot out of these conversations with you because if I didn't have you to talk to, you know, it's just be- over text and stuff like that, but you definitely, like, I feel like when I hear that other people like things that I'm kind of on the fence about, it opens me up to it yeah. a little bit more. I don't know why I'm like that, but I'm very like outwardly no, I am too. impressionable. And we're not
1: going to like shows anymore three times a week where we're sitting outside talking to people about music. Like, you know, we don't have that yeah. interactions as much. I, I think will it's say coming to back People, soon. people listening that usually listen to the Nick Cave episodes, I know we cover like hip hop a lot on here. If you like Nick Cave, you're gonna like this album. Yeah, you're gonna, so gonna definitely, like this. Check this out. Even if you don't check out a lot of the stuff we talk about, you're mm-hmm. gonna like this. I know it.
0: This is a, this is a, a good little, you know, um, palette cleanser from you know our our hip hop heavy discussions. So definitely check out the new Black Country New Road album, Ants from Up There. We have been Jubilee Street, a music podcast. I am Jake Curtis, he was Ian McCurtis. You can check us out on Spotify. You can leave us a rating, five stars. You can five stars only. Us. Only five stars. Follow us. You can also rate, follow, subscribe, like us on Apple Podcasts, five stars only. Leave us five a review only. if you'd like. Um, tell your friends and family about us. We've got tell a Jubilee friends. Street
1: tell mailbag
0: where if you have anything you want to talk to us about, about this episode or a past Nick Cave episode, we love hearing from you all. Um If you disagree with something we say, if you agree, if you want to just chat about something, maybe we missed a point or two, anything. We love hearing from you. So JubileeStreetPod at gmail.com. And then we have an Instagram account at JubileeStreetPod where we've got a link in our bio there where it takes you to everything I just listed so you can find us, Apple Music, Spotify, all that good stuff. So anyway, this has been a Jubilee Street production. We love you all. And Ian, why don't you take it home with uh, Ian McCurtis. Adios
1: would like to say that we are dog-approved, this podcast. So, Mm -hmm. if you guys have to go to work and you're leaving your dog alone for eight hours a day, Mm -hmm. throw this podcast on a loop. Dogs love hearing these talk.